the art of how do I get them to do something and inspire them to do it. That's leadership in a nutshell. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, he's the CEO of Pan Amplify, Mike Pratt. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, what's up, Darren? I'm really glad to be here. Glad to have you on. Where are you calling in from today? Um, I am at, currently working from home at my house in Dallas, Texas, which is also where we're headquartered. So. Okay, great. Are you a, a Dallas sports fan by chance? So the answer is, unfortunately, yes. Um, when my dad was in Vietnam, we lived with my grandparents in Texas, and I became a, a Cowboys fan back in the uh, early 70s. And so I am still a Cowboys fan. And Go ahead, rub it in. You yeah, know, do what you need to do. Well, uh, well, rough, rough weekend for both of us. I, I grew up in Central Texas, and when I moved here and started watching football, um, all my friends were Cowboys fans. And just to kind of annoy them, I became a New York Giants fan um, <laughs> to to just kind of be the enemy in in the school. And so, so I got to rub those two championships back in '07 and '11 in their in their face. But uh, rough, rough weekend for both of us, unfortunately. Well, God bless you, but I can't stand you now because I hate Giants. <laughs> All right, well, we'll we'll have to shut down the recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Mike, uh, we like to start off with kind of a fun question. If you could think back, early Mike, do you have a first memory of leadership that comes to mind? So I do love this question, and the answer is yes, but it's a it's a dual answer, if you will. Um, I framed it in my brain as a as a as a two sided answer. So as we both went to West Point. Um, a lot of West Pointers, as you know, but your audience might not know, um, are there's a lot of captains of sports teams who end up going to uh, to to the academy. And I was a captain of the wrestling team. And so there's a leadership chance right there. But to be honest with you, that was leadership by example. As long as I was busting my butt and working out and all that, I don't looking back, didn't really I can't tell you there were a lot of leadership challenges beyond just setting a good example kind of thing. But um when I was a junior in high school, while a captain, I got elected. I went to Boys State in Missouri and got elected to be president pro tem of the Senate. And there, that was a leadership job. And I, I, I think I really sucked at it because, you know, it was all these it was boys, it was all these smart guys from around the state. And I didn't know any of them. And I had to get them to do something i.e. lead. And I didn't know how to do it. I, you know, I look back on that, realizing that that was my first, you know, um, trial by fire, uh, if you will, in, in leadership. Did they get better with time? Or like, what, what were the, the big lessons at the moment that, that you can remember? Well, you know, so I, uh, I'm going to weave this into all my conversation. But if you know, I, I'm a huge lover of metaphors and allegories and all that. And you've heard this one before, whatever, but my favorite one on leadership is you can't push a string. Now, I don't know if you've heard that one, I have, but I have. as you know, you have to pull a string because otherwise it just bunches up and the string is useless. And I was trying to push the string at Boy State and pulling is a much different kind of metaphor for human beings, right? It's how do you get them to do something they may or may not want to do? And 
I had no authority, so pushing would have been useless anyway. But as you know, you know, even if you have lots of authority, all that means is just you're allowed to push. That doesn't mean you're going to be an effective leader. Mm-hmm. Missouri, Boy State, captain of your sports teams. Uh, you mind sharing a little more about your background and what you've been up to over the years? Yeah, yeah sure. So um, went to, uh, you know, after high school, went to West Point. I was an average wrestler, so I didn't even make the wrestling team at West Point. Um, uh, you know, I, we were top 25 then. I still think they're ranking top 25. West Point's always had an army that had a good wrestling team. West Point graduated third infantry division in Germany, got out after the Gulf War in, uh, in 92, went to Duke to go to graduate school where I kind of focused on finance. I was seduced up to Wall Street where I was a trader on the Goldman Sachs trading desk for 11 years, traded the um, media and entertainment and telecom group my whole time there. Um, From there, I left and uh, started a hedge fund in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut with a couple of guys and did that all the way up until 2009 when I moved down to Texas uh, because um, both sons are just dyslexic. And Dallas has one of the best programs for dyslexic kids. And so that's what drew us here. And I ended up with an opportunity to run an advertising agency um, from one of my Goldman contacts, kind of dropped in my lap. So I was tired of Wall Street and I said, sure. So I'm now running an advertising agency. And that I did that for um, five or six years. And my co-founder and I spun out a software company along the way, which is the company you mentioned, Pan Amplify, which we've been running for six years now. And it it services the advertising and marketing space. It's a, a software as a service SaaS company. Graduated from West Point, went to the Army, and then went to Wall Street after, after grad school. Sounds like a night and day environment. What were you able to take from the military and then apply? Or what did you learn from the military that was very valuable on Wall Street for you? Ooh, you know, it's funny. I've never been asked that question before. You know, Wall Street is a very individualistic place. Yes, there is leadership, but on a trading desk, it's really a collection of traders managing risk um, uh, and doing their job as a trader. And so the leadership challenges were few and far between. And so I didn't really bring much in that regard. I brought personal discipline and everything else. You know, and then as you get more senior, you are asked to do some leadership-oriented things. But looking back, I couldn't compare leadership in the military with leadership on Wall Street because leadership on Wall Street was really felt more like mentorship, you know, and not leadership, if you will. It was about making other men and women into good traders. And yeah, maybe that's a leadership skill, so to speak, but it really felt like more about like organized mentorship kind of thing. And then as soon as I left, I'm running organizations. Now they're smaller. So I've got experience, you know, with big organizations, you know, my, when I was a company commander, the, uh, we had 210 people, but you know, now I'm talking about organizations with 10, 20 people. So very different. Yeah. So beginnings as a, a company commander, what, uh, and what were your priorities as a company commander, as far as trying to be a leader for all those 210 people? Um, well, the first one was that I pulled from the the wrestling team, which was if I can't do everything that I ask them to do, then I'm not a good leader. But I also found that if I do everything that I ask them to do, their complaining and whining tends to go down. And that sets the stage 
for you getting them to do the stuff they don't feel like doing, which is really the crux of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, leader it doesn't take a big leader to get someone to do something they want to do. Right. As you, as you well know, as a, as a uh, service member yourself, um, most of the stuff you're asked to do in the, in the military is not qualified as stuff you want to do. It's not, ple- it's not, it's not pleasant. It's hard. It's all of that stuff. So leadership in the military is, I think it's the best crucible for, um, for, for leadership skills, because I mean, who wakes up in the morning and says, I want to charge that hill. It's real easy to be an administrative leader in the military and then stink at leadership because you've gone down the path of focusing on the admin and the organizational stuff associated with it. Yeah, that's important, et cetera. But um, back to my push a string analogy, you're pulling them and, you know, leading from the front and the the famous, you know, um, statue at Fort Benning with the uh, follow me statue. I, I know it sounds cliche, but that is the art form that is required. And I use that to this day, right? If I have to order someone to do it and think about it in the military, it's easier to order someone to do something than it is in the civilian world. I can't order anybody in my startup to do anything necessarily. So the art of how do I get them to do something and inspire them to do it? That's, that's the leadership in a nutshell. It's not about coddling. Leadership is not about making somebody necessarily as comfortable as they need to be per se, because there's a lot of uncomfortable facets to it. But it's about if, if, you're, in, if you're running some entity, i.e. you're a leader, and the entity has an agreed upon mission, then the only way that the entity, if you will, the organization is going to be successful is if all the people that are helping achieve that mission are motivated to help achieve it. Even though they may play some sort of, you know, small contribute, contributing role. For, if they're not in a motivated state, you know what the result's going to be. It's going to be average. It's going to be average at best. And in a startup, which has significantly higher risk profile, but is often full of people who are, you know, super excited to be doing it, the leadership becomes quite different, right? Anyway, so starting with the motivation is 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 the important thing because if they're motivated, they'll, they'll okay. follow. Yeah, the motivation and the I guess the task, the the things that you need to accomplish after that will uh, those will happen. But it starts with that motivation first. And not only that, now I'm starting with like, what, what is the end state? And the end state, as I defined it, was motivation. But there's all sorts of little subtasks that are on there. And people, you know, will use those in little leadership, you know, exercises, et cetera, like, you know, ownership of the task, um, buy-in to mm-hmm. vision, you know, all, all the all the buzzwordy <laughs> stuff that you're going to learn when you go to Macomb's <laughs> yeah. at UT. Um, and, and it all just sounds so academic um, and all that, right? Buy-in to the vision, you know? This is our startup. This is this 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 is what we do. We make software for the advertising space. Okay, that's our vision. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you you came to work here knowing that. Are they bought into the vision? I hope so. But you know, anyway, you get my point. Kind of a theme to this show is is living leaderly, which means leadership isn't. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's not being the CEO, CFO, what any of those spots. Uh, leadership goes beyond that and wanting to have that impact that motivation, that, that positive impact on other people. And so if I asked you to think about maybe the people most impactful in your life, maybe the ones that you've admired the most over the years, and you don't necessarily have to use any names, 
what kinds of things would they do on the daily, weekly, monthly basis that exemplified what we call leaderly living? Ooh, love that question. Uh, as cliche as it may sound, I'm going to lead. start with my dad, who I mentioned to you as a retired general. And while I never got to be one of his subordinates, I did get glimpses growing up into his leadership style, which frankly, I don't know that I really started paying attention to until I was older, but um, he was a mild-mannered, per- is a mild-mannered person who had the ability of being, how do I put this? Um, you know, he was a, he was kind of, a, he could be a hard ass, if you will, but within this very subtle, mild-mannered way. And it made people drawn to him and want to be, it wasn't because he was super charismatic, although he was a very good speaker. It, and he wasn't like, you know, the great Santini, or he wasn't like Patton giving the speech in front of the flag or anything like that. But people wanted to follow him. And I started asking the question long after West Point. You know, I should have been asking the damn question while I was at West Point. But I started asking the question, like, why do people want to follow him? What, like, is he just naturally that way? Um, And sure, yeah, he was gifted with some personality characteristics that I'm sure contributed Mm -hmm. toward that. But he still had to exercise a particular, you know, philosophy of leading. But people wanted to follow him. I grabbed onto that as something that I think about all the time. And it's like, we got to have those people in our lives who are like, if I, if he was presented with this issue, what would he have done in this situation? Like not what would he go Mm -hmm. left or right, but how would he have, how would he have been right? What kind of way would he have kind of encompassed such that people would follow him? So that's, that's kind of been my, my, my lighthouse, if you will. Another another big theme to the show is, you know, our belief at Leaderly is that anyone can learn to lead, no matter where you come from or your beginnings. Is uh, how do you approach that? Do you, do you believe anyone can learn to lead? Oh, a million percent. Um, uh, while I think there are people that are born with some personality traits and characteristics that make them easier to teach how to lead, they still have to be taught mm-hmm. how to lead. And so therefore, anyone can be taught how to leave. Some people are more resistant, right, um, to being taught how to lead. Others are less. So if you ask me, the, the key is, you know, is there someone that's self-aware enough to be able to say, teach me how to lead? And if they are self-aware so, enough, you know, that's that's the starting place. for That's what you think would be the starting place is that awareness or that will that want to to be able to lead? Well, consider that, right? I know you've experienced this in your career, uh, given where you know your background as well. Um, self-awareness, like when you've met someone that is stubborn as a mule and thinks they know everything and all that, they are completely lacking self-awareness into their own capabilities or lack thereof. It always kind of comes back to self-awareness. And if, if someone is self-aware enough to say, I don't know how to do this, I'm not I need to be trained. I'd li- I need to learn and continually is like that in their life. Then they're, they're the ones that end up being the greatest at what they do. And it all starts with self-awareness, right? How many times have you run into somebody and it's like, no, 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 I got this. I know what I'm doing. And you're like, dude, you have no idea what you're doing, but you think you do. You're the most dangerous person going right now. 
I think we have similar backgrounds or are the beginnings of our career rather. So I, I think we've both ran into many people that, that had that kind of attitude where I, I can do this. I got this, um, maybe overly confident in some things when they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I will also tell you this. So if there's anybody that knows me, especially for my entire life, listening to this podcast, uh, they're probably going, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and what they're, what the reason they're coughing like that is because my self-awareness at age 20 was very different. I think than my self-awareness right now, I wish to God, if I could go back and change anything, it would have been like, I wish I was more self-aware mm-hmm. back then. Cause I was a cocky bastard. Like, you know, when I got to West Point, I wrote my dad, a, we got postcards as plebes, which I, I know is foreign to you, but uh, they, they gave us a handful of stamped postcards to send to our family. And I wrote to my dad a postcard and complained that the uniforms didn't look cool because I didn't have stripes on them. <laughs> I am not going to tell you what he wrote back. But that was like, I, I was in Beast Barracks complaining about the lack of stripes on my uniform. What the hell was come, wrong with come me? a long way, uh, self-awareness since then? Well, at least uh, at least slightly more than that guy was, uh, I like to think. All right. Well, we're, we're about to, to wrap up here shortly, Michael, but I'll, I'll throw it back over to you if you have any, any more thoughts about leadership before we close out. I, I just one thing that, that, that comes to mind, if you ask, you didn't ask this, but it, was, it keeps um, knocking in my brain right now. Um, I, I have been lucky to lead a varied set of organizational types from the, from the army and then corporate America and now startup land. And it was just dawning on me that if you had to ask me the hardest organizational stuck type that I had to lead, it'd be startup, believe it or not harder than all the others. And part of that is because there's no structures in place, in place, right? Is a completely formless thing. And boy, you know, going from the army, which is completely structured right now, you know, it's hard to lead in that environment and all that, but um, you're, you have, you have structure to fall back on if in, 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 in times of, of, of doubt or whatever, but anyway, so I would have never guessed that, but Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Mike. Appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your thoughts. And for those listening, thanks for joining us again here on the Live Leaderly podcast.